Good. I have some volunteers. Please be seated. Yeah, that's fine. Hi there. Come on up. You brought a friend, I see. You know what? You know what this is? Huh? Have anybody ever seen one of these before? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, it's a coin purse. I keep valuable things in here. Valuable things. Look, I'll open it up and show you the kind of things I have in here. Hmm. Let's see. Oh, look. It's a whole bunch of money. A whole bunch of money. Now, I was counting it earlier up by the church uh, chancel up there, and I counted ten. Do you want to help me count? Let's see how many I have. One... Two, can you count with me? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I had ten before. What happened to the other one? Can you help me and look for it? Let's go look to see if we can find the tenth one. Up here, come on. You can come too. Okay, over here, where do you see it? Underneath there? Did it fall there? No? Let's go over here by the altar. Over here by the pulpit. Did it fall in here? Did it end under there? No? How about by the baptismal font? Over here by the baptismal font. You're looking over there. Oh, he found it. It was over here, wasn't it? Hey, let's be happy. I found the one I was, that I had lost. You know what? Because you helped me find it, I'm going to give you the coin that, I, that you found, and I'm going to give you a coin because you came up and helped me look, and I'm going to give you a coin because you helped me look, and one for you. Let's thank Jesus for finding us because we were lost. Come on over here and we'll pray together. You can pray with us if you will. Okay? To say, I'll say the words and then you say them after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for finding me. Because like the coin, I was lost and now am found. Amen. And thank you for coming up and helping me with that, you guys. Appreciate that. We sing our sermon hymn. And thank you, sweetie.
God's precious grace, his mercy, and his peace be multiplied unto each and every one of us this day from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you a football fan? <laughs> Badgers played kind of poorly yesterday, but maybe you have better hopes for the Packers this afternoon. Whether we like it or not, football season is upon us, and people who are fans, whether that happens to be you or not, are paying close attention to the new players on the squad and, and who we'll play when and where we're going to be and all those possibilities that the, the new season holds. Will the team be good enough to go all the way this year 
is the fans' question. So let's imagine that your team does go all the way. They win their division. Then they get into the playoffs, and they win all the playoffs, and they go to the Super Bowl. And then after the Super Bowl is over, the management of the team sells and trades all of the best players. All the quarterbacks and tight ends and wide receivers and the best linemen and the best defensive players, all gone. And in their place, the management picks the worst squad you've ever seen. They can't throw, they can't kick, they can't catch. They're the worst team possible. I don't think there would be a single fan that would be happy about that kind of a crazy decision. No one, that is, except all those who were chosen. All those poor players who got an opportunity to play in the professional league the following year. Now, of course, that'll never happen. Nobody is foolish enough to do anything like that except Jesus in our gospel lesson today. Jesus picks all the losers, the ne'er-do-wells, the cast-offs, the never-have-beens and never-will-bees. These are the players on Jesus' team. And all the former players can say is, I'm glad I'm not on that team. That's how the Pharisees felt about the people that Jesus hung out with. I'm glad I'm not with them, those sinners over there. Look at that. Everyone seemed ex upset about Jesus' choices except, of course, those persons who he chose to hang out with. Those people were ecstatic. They were constantly amazed by his attitude of love towards them that nobody else had ever loved before, least of all the church of their day. That's how the Pharisees felt, though. They said, he eats with sinners and welcomes them. Well, why did Jesus pick sinners to do his work? St. Paul gives us an answer in our text. And from the NI version I read, I was shown mercy so that in me, that is Paul, the worst of sinners, he calls himself, Christ Jesus might display his ultimate patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 1 Timothy 1.16 In other words, if God could work in Paul, he could work in anybody. He could even work in you and me. Have you ever felt unworthy of God's love? If you haven't, you should. 
I'll say that again. If you haven't, you should. Because we are the lost and condemned sinners that God came to this earth to love. And we are not worthy of that love. God who created you and me looked down at what us, the lost and condemned persons in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and he said to himself, there is no way those imperfect and sinful people will ever make it into heaven. Unless, unless something or someone perfect should be willing to die for them. And that has been God's plan ever since the Garden of Eden. God's plan for the world. God's plan for the centuries that have gone past. And God's plan for you and me. He reached out for sinners, just as Jesus did when he was here. Throughout his ministry, Jesus told the worshipers, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And St. Paul puts it this way, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. 1 Timothy 1, 15. Even in our Old Testament lesson, which was read just a minute ago from Ezekiel, we heard these words, God would search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong, the fat, I will destroy. If you read the Old Testament, you hear about God's chosen people. You find Moses, a murderer, who could not speak very well at all. You hear about Gideon, a former farmer whose family worshipped idols. He chose him to defeat the massive army of the Midianites. David was an adulterer, and Samson was a womanizer. And on and on it goes throughout the Old Testament. None of these who God chose to do his bidding were worthy. But God's power, and through his power, he accomplished great things. St. Paul tells us why in 1 Corinthians 27 and 28. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God through, chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that, that are. So that no one may boast before him, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. God saw the Pharisees who rejected the lost, and yet these were the very ones God had come to save, the lost. So God declared, I myself will search for them. And he has done that to today. In the same way, God has chosen you and me by grace alone. For what purpose? To seek 
more lost. The most dangerous thing in the world is for you or for me to think of ourselves as worthy of God's grace. For when we stand, we really fall. You remember the story of Peter and the other disciples out in the boat in the stormy night? And Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And Peter, not even sure it was Jesus, calls out to him in the storm, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. And Jesus simply says, Come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. Does he take one step, two, three? We don't know. In Ephesians 2, Paul tells us, It is by grace that you're saved, and that not of yourselves. Or said another way, as long as we focus our eyes on Jesus, we can walk on water. But if we take our eyes off Jesus, we're sunk. We're sunk. God's undeserved love has selected us by his mercy. Not because we deserve to be his chosen people, but because he chose us. Some people have asked me over the years, why? Why am I one of God's chosen people? And believe me, I had no idea. I have no idea why I am. Or you. But I am. And so are you. In our gospel lesson, a group of tax collectors and sinners had gathered around Jesus. And the Pharisees were upset because Jesus was right there in the midst of them, talking with them, eating with them, enjoying their company. The Pharisees were angry, and of course, they said, he eats with sinners. These were the Pharisees like many in the church today who are only concerned about the purity of the church and that we don't let any riffraff in. This next Sunday, we're inviting everybody to a church picnic. Everybody. As some of the people in the neighborhood, I guarantee you, or at least I suppose, I'm pretty sure, will come here strictly for the food and they have no interest in being part of this church at all. And your hand of friendship and love might just convince them otherwise. It could happen, you see. And that's why we want every one of you to be there, to welcome these people who are sinners just like us. They need to know that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them, as you will. And you just might change their mind about wanting to be 
a little more close to this congregation, to know something more about it than they did before. To the sinners, Jesus had started poor and he hadn't gotten any better. Look at the 12 that he chose to be his chosen people. Two were called sons of thunder. You know why? Because they were unforgiving and vengeful. One was a tax collector for the hated Romans. One had been a murderer or a member of a dangerous sect called zealots. They were murderers and dangerous characters. One was guilty of cursing and swearing when he was backed into a corner. And one was a thief. And a number of them had never held an honest job in their life and following one dreamer after another. These were the people that Jesus called to be his friends. He tells them in John 15, I call you my friends. You did not choose me, I chose you. You're the ones I love. You're the ones who I want for my friends. He spent time instructing them. And then on Ascension Day, he commissioned them. Go into all nations, baptizing and teaching them everything I've commanded you. You know, there's an old legend that when Jesus got back to heaven after his ascension, all the angels gathered round to rejoice over the ascension and Easter Sunday and all the rest of the things that Jesus had done while he was here on earth. And they were all excited. And then Gabriel looked at Jesus and he said, now, now what's your plan, Jesus, to get all of this good news out to the world? And, and Jesus said, my disciples will do that. And there was a silence in heaven. And Gabriel said, uh, what's your plan B? And Jesus' reply was, I have no plan B. And he still has no plan B today. You, today's disciples, are plan A and no plan B. You are the ones who can welcome sinners and eat with them. Next Sunday is just one example, but you can do it any day. Was Jesus guilty of bad judgment? Well, if he was, I'm one of those he chose by bad judgment. And so are you. No, he picks the losers, the never-wers, the has-beens, and the not-worthies, so that he can shame those who think of themselves as worthy of heaven, for whatever reason that might be because no one is worthy of heaven except by the grace and love of God. That's why he told the two parables he did, you know. He was trying to help the Pharisees understand what it was all about. So he told about the sheep, and the one sheep wandered away, and the 99 were still there. So he left them in the pasture, and he went and looked for the lost sheep, and when he found it, he put it on his shoulders, and he brought it back, and he rejoiced with all of his friends over the lost sheep that had been found, as did the angels in heaven, rejoice. And the Pharisees thought, yeah, I get that. If I lost a sheep, I'd go look for it too. But they didn't get it. Because Jesus wasn't talking about sheep, was he? He was talking about souls. He was talking about us. People who were lost. And he found us. 
So he told another parable about the ten coins, just like we played up here, a little game with the kids. About the ten coins, the lady lost one. Now, if you think about those coins as about a day's wages, whatever that would mean to you, that's a pretty big amount of money. And so, of course, she swept the house and looked all over for it. And, and then when she found it, she rejoiced. And the Pharisees, of course, they got that one. They knew what day's wages Well, They would search all over for it. They were sure they understood Jesus' parable that time. But again, Jesus wasn't talking about money. He wasn't talking about a coin. He was talking about us. He was talking about people, souls that he was looking for to be part of his kingdom. Souls that he was willing to die for, which he did. And from that cross, he still sought the souls. When he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. I love them. I willingly die for them. Father, I love these. I willingly died for them. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Please rise and join me as you are able in confessing our faith in a loving, caring God who came to seek and to save us.